Hello and welcome to the IGN UK podcast. It's Superhero Friday. I know it, it probably feels like every Friday is Superhero Friday at the moment, but this one, we've got bumper stuff. We've got the Snyder Cut is finally here. We've got Falcon and, Sol- Sol- the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. <laughs> I can't say it. The Falcon Show. And we've got even Marvel's Avengers is doing some stuff. But with me to discuss all that are two Midland superheroes. We've got... <laughs> Son of Godiva, Dale Driver. Oh, I like that. I'm having that one. Yeah, it's pretty it's good in the Twitter handle well. straight away. Yeah. Yeah. And we've got the wolf at the door, <laughs> Matt Persler. Hello. Oh, lads. A lot of superhero stuff to talk about, isn't there? Mm, what's your name, though? We need one for you. Oh, Where are you from? So Enfield or something? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, like Enfield, North London. The Eagle, of, the Eagle of Enfield. The yeah. Eagle. Uh, <laughs> well, what about the rifle? Because the Enfield rifles mm. are from round the corner from me. So just the, the Enfield rifle. Call there me that. Done. There we go. Uh, give myself nicknames. You should never give yourself a nickname. <laughs> that is embarrassing. Um, right. Do you know what else is embarrassing? No, we won't start with that. The Snyder Cut. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Let's just let's just start. We're not going to spoil it. Mm-hmm. Um, although a lot of the scenes are the same from a few years ago, we're still not going to spoil any plot to this film. We may talk about some of the stuff that was in the one from three years. Was it three years ago now? 2017. It was, wasn't it? Four. Four. Yeah. Jesus. Um, we're going to talk around it because so, obviously it's a four-hour film, which a lot of people won't have had the time in the past day to watch all of. Like me, I've only seen the first hour, so I can only speak to that. Whereas both of you, you managed to get it done. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, all in one go as well, which surprised me. I did not expect to do that. But um, I was interviewing Zack Snyder a, a little while ago, so I had to watch it basically before mm. I um, did it. But yeah, I was originally intending to watch it more like a TV show. And to its absolute credit, I managed to get through it all in four hours, which I think probably says, at least from my opinion, uh, a lot about it's the improvements that it's made. Um, yeah, I think it is, for anybody that doesn't know, it is a four hour and two minute recut, like the director's original vision of Justice League, which obviously when it first came out was kind of like half his, half Joss Whedon's because of the studio change up and obviously Zach had to leave the project. And so this is, I guess the easiest way to explain it is if you've seen the original Justice League, it is that with another entire film's worth of stuff on top of it which I guess for a film that everybody complained about because it obviously didn't have the build-up that the Avengers had, it didn't have those individual movies that went together, it yeah. sort of does a bit of that lifting, especially around Cyborg, who basically has okay. no backstory really to speak of in the original film, and now basically has an entire film that's just sort of put into this film about like his backstory and how he's there. But it's not quite the same as having all of the lead-up that Avengers had. It is four hours of this story it just happens to have kind of more material around why certain characters are there Mm -hmm. so for example steppenwolf the main villain has a lot more like motive and understanding of why he's here and i think overall that creates for a much more coherent film my caveat here is is while i do think that snyder has been able to make a reasonably good film out of sort of like what he has I fundamentally do not like Zack Snyder's approach to superhero movies, and so I think there's still a lot about this film that I do not like. Mm, that is... So, yeah, like I said, I'm only an hour in, and I think I'm in a similar boat to you. It's just... I just 
think there was never a world where I was going to think this would become a masterpiece just because, yeah, like I said, Snyder's approach to making these films isn't what I'm looking for. And the main problem I had with these films is what you said. There was no build up these characters just this is the first time we really see cyborg aquaman the flash that's half of the team we're just thrown in Mm -hmm. like straight away i haven't got to really the scenes i've heard a lot of people are good with ray fisher as his cyborg i haven't got to a lot of those yet which are here like do make a big difference but i just can't feel they make a big enough difference to me at this point yeah, they definitely. I, I will care for these characters. Mm-hmm. They definitely make a difference, and it's a case of like, as you say, for Aquaman, there's a lot of stuff like under the sea in this film. Like, I didn't realize they'd shot anything with Amber Heard and Willem Dafoe, but that stuff is here. You're going to be able to see and understand a little bit more about why Aquaman is in the position where he doesn't really feel like taking up the mantle of the King of Atlantis mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It still is small parts of a four-hour movie that's doing a completely different storyline so it does have a bit of that so many things being jammed in the same pot but by virtue of it being four hours it does allow these things to breathe a little more but it's still a four-hour movie that's spinning a million different plates in a like this weird kind of grimdark style he's got for superheroes that i don't actually enjoy no um, yeah. Like that's the thing. It's four hours, and so far I've seen no real justification for that. The first hour, which is the first two parts, it's split into I don't know how many chapters is it in total? Six, is I think overall. Six. I've, so I've watched the first two chapters, and yeah, I'm like, I don't want to be too down on it just because I'm bored of talking mm-hmm. <laughs> about how bad some of these are. But um, I was just bored. Like that's like, and that's not what I want to be when I'm watching a superhero film. I was bored. Like even the action sequences, I was like this isn't doing a lot for me i do like the femiseria scene when they're Mm -hmm. um like relaying the box from like horse to horse that i think is a cool scene even if a lot of the cgi isn't up to scratch um but like there's just two like this he uses slow-mo so much like there's so many like the first 10 minutes of the film is in slow motion with someone just screaming like i don't know what that's not setting a tone of like oh i'm into this now like it's not like that hard like all and I don't want to compare it to the Marvel films because they're a completely different beast, but mm-hmm. they are what I prefer. Like, if you think every Marvel film, they open with like a really cool action scene that just like punches you in the face and like gets you like, right, I'm having fun with these characters, the sand quips. This is the complete opposite. It's like a really slow, dark trudge, and I'm just like, it made me realize why I don't like these characters. Yeah. It's interesting because kind of like that slow motion stuff, I think, is very much Zack's. Like, Zack Snyder has a lot of things that are distinctly him he has a very distinct direct style and i admire that to a certain extent like i like that he has a vision that he's very young to the point where he has literally gone and managed to find 70 million from warner brothers to make the thing that he desperately wanted to make and i sort of admire that as a as like an artist and Mm. he's got this idea that for him superheroes are gods among men and i admire that that's what he wants to do for me they're not in the way that he he almost no. puts them on these big pedestals and i think superheroes are far more interesting when they're normal people that have weird abilities yeah. that you can sort of dig into this all leads to dale like i know that we've both watched the four hours of it and i think you but you agree with me that the film is far more coherent and far more watchable and actually 
delivers a film but i know that you probably dislike it more than me uh so yeah i wasn't a fan <laughs> at all <laughs> i actually i did it in i did it all day yesterday but i did it in four different sittings like i did a bit when i woke up a bit on my lunch break then a bit just before I had my tea and then a bit later on in the evening uh only because i felt like it deserved a shot like there was mm-hmm. so much around it that i felt like it was fair to watch the whole thing before i critiqued it but it definitely is more coherent. I agree with that. But I think it's a coherent, still a coherent five out of 10 film. Like, I don't think it's, fundamentally, I don't think it's a good film. Yeah. And yes, it makes a bit more sense now, but it doesn't make it a better film. Um, I think my problems with it are kind of endless, to be honest. There's so much <laughs> stuff. And I, I could go into a lot of detail about it. But I think, Caddy, you touched on it a little bit with the intro. Like, I was never having fun and this is a film about people who've got supernatural, like amazing powers. And I never mm. felt like I was having fun with them. Like, you know, in every Marvel film or even some DC films as well, you have sections where the super, the, the superhero is having fun or they're, you know, they're exploring their yeah. powers. And I never feel like I have that moment. But in that's these what films. I was like always told when like, I'm not saying I'm a screenwriter, but whenever I was at university and we did like screenwriting modules or something, like even if you're telling like, a fundamentally dark story or a sad story you've got to have those peaks where there's joy otherwise people are just like a constant like like oh god this is tough and it like even in like the darkest films you can think of like there's one line as well there's little moments to smile someone's having a nice day or a birthday like there's something where someone something nice is happening you need the problem with this film (laughs) exactly yeah and the problem with this film for me is i think the flash is meant to be that character Mm. that comedy relief and to me he's just utterly annoying i hate that version of the flash like so much it's a shame because i like ezra miller but i don't like like and i wondered for a while is it was that a joss whedon element because and you know i say this as a fan of joss whedon's writing but he has a particular quippy style that i know Mm. doesn't doesn't work for everyone but also doesn't work for every character and there was something about flash the first time around that i didn't get on with but i think he is fundamentally the same character in this version of the film so yeah that hasn't worked no Just... i feel like um i'm, I'm not going to spoil it but i say the first scene we proper scene we see with flash that felt like an opportunity where it should be a lot of fun mm-hmm. and to show like mm-hmm. he's the light-hearted element of this film and i didn't i thought that scene was like really poorly executed i won't go into details yeah. about why because it might spoil it but i i did not get that impression at all and i just like... found the whole thing like miserable affair although for even though like down mm-hmm. to the color palette that's his color palette right he loves using that sort of style but the muted colors and the just the brownness and the grayness it just puts me off all the time like yeah i feel like you know and it sounds like a very simple swap and you know we'll never know but like if you had tom holland in there instead of ezra miller for mm. me i think you fundamentally got a much more likable film in general but yeah like that's I don't think that know. would fix. I think it's yeah, the script really. for me because I like Ezra Miller. I think like he's he's great in Perks See, of Being I, a Warflower. I just mm-hmm. I don't. I think it's the way that Flash is written for me. If you I especially he's if you good compare, at, just compare yeah, him to like yeah yeah compare him to <laughs> yeah. Barry Allen in the CW shows, who is a yeah. much more likable. And yes, the CW shows are a lot camper than the movies. You know they're not supposed to be dark. They're almost mm-hmm. the modern day equivalent of the 1966 Batman. Um, but he Barry Allen there is much more likable and less irritating. Mm. I think is that there almost an element of irritation to Barry here because 
he's supposed to be real and gritty and sort of like people that quip in real life can be irritating like i don't yeah. i yeah i don't really know where I the direction is there I, 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 go on okay go on i've oh. just i forgot how dark it was as well like mm. in my head it wasn't like in my head when we watched justice league at first like i didn't hate the justice i really don't like batman vs superman i'll put that out there. i think that mm-hmm. is atrocious mm-hmm. like a terrible piece of filmmaking but you know that's another conversation yeah i remember coming out of justice league thinking that is better than batman vs superman i had a little bit of fun it was okay yeah i but i completely forgot how like in my head it was it was a bit more joyful maybe it's because they got to like it was only two hours so the dark stuff didn't drag on as long, but I don't remember. I've completely forgot about that whole scene from the lad from Game of Thrones just wanting to shoot a load of children to oh, yeah. uproot the world. I was like, I don't know really what he was planning on doing. Yeah, that that but... was a bizarre motivation. That was Bruce Bolton. Yeah, and he, that's yeah. that's the, obviously the Wonder Woman scene as well. Even that, yeah. I think that's supposed to be like a almost like a fun like reintroductory of Wonder Woman to the audience, mm. right? And even that, it's just, it's so plagued by slow-mo sections. Like, mm. I feel like that entire scene is in slow-mo when she's fighting. That yeah. it, it just becomes a bit of a slog to watch. It's not fun. It's not energetic or exciting. I guess that, maybe when she's sliding on her knees and reflecting bullets. I know that's a bit spoiler territory, but, you know. <laughs> so this scene overall, because this scene is in the original version of, of Just Lee, but it is shot, like, like Joss Whedon, I think, reshot some of the, the camera angles and did some, like, different cut to that scene. But fundamentally, to me, it's that's where you see that Zack Snyder's vision for who these characters are doesn't line up with yeah. what I want from them. Because I don't think it, like this is not a spoiler to say that kind of like Wonder Woman defeats these people that are holding up a bunch of children. But the way she does it is incredibly violent. And for me, Wonder Woman is a character of peace. And yeah. she says to a little girl, like, she just looks up at her and goes, like, oh, wow. And then Wonder Woman's like, you can be whoever you want to be, as in to say, like, yes, you can be me, the person that just basically decimated and exploded a bunch of people in front of your eyes. And, like, yeah. Wonder Can't Woman, think, you, you compare that to the Wonder Woman movies where, like, yeah. she would, like, lasso people out of the way and break their guns and leave them to be arrested by the authorities. They're two entirely different characters. Mm-hmm. And Yeah. I think uh, that's what it comes to. I just don't. I'm not a fan of, like, I, I, I don't dislike Snyder as a filmmaker in total. Like, he does have some things I like. I think he does have a lot of style sometimes. I really like, I still think 300 is a fun film to watch. Mm. It has its moments. I, love I really Watchmen. like his version of Watchmen. Exactly, yeah, Watchmen. I like Watchmen but I think the key with Watchmen is he didn't put his own spin on those characters. He literally used that book as a storyboard exactly. and didn't really put a twist on them. Yeah. Uh, so, I, th- I mean, I just, yeah. It's just his vision of this isn't to my taste, and I don't think it ever was going to... Like, this cut was never going to fix that for yeah. me. Surprisingly, um, so I know, obviously, there's talk about Cyborg being a more fleshed-out character now and feeling like he's part of mm. it more, but I found him to be wholly a miserable affair. Like, I wanted to see him before... His, obviously, we do see glimpses of him before, but I wanted to see him having fun and being, like, a happy guy and stuff as well. Like he's Understanding just, what he's lost, right? Yeah, he's because... just miserable all the way through the film. Whereas mm-hmm. the one that I did flip on slightly was Superman, who I won't go into it, but I did enjoy Superman quite a bit more this time. It's probably the one character I did enjoy a bit more. Um, mm-hmm. I thought... Um, Batman obviously it has a has the same problems what Matt just mentioned about Wonder Woman. I just fundamentally like this version of Batman just doesn't sit yeah. right at all, especially towards the end. I think the last half an hour of him doesn't feel like like 
how quick is he to talk about being Bruce Wayne to everybody all the way through it as well? I feel like that is it's just... a shame, because I quite like Ben Affleck, and I don't know if it's necessarily his fault. I think it again comes down to just the interpretation of that mm, character. Mm. Yeah, so I guess you, no matter how long the cut is, what scenes you use, it's always going to be the same issue. If you have those problems, you're not going to like this version. It's just a longer version of it. Yeah. Um, yes. Um, I've seen a lot of Matt. You know, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of people that hate this film. I wouldn't say I hate it like a strong like so far. Like there, I think you know five, yeah. five out of ten. Like two, maybe pushing three stars. I don't know. But um, like I've seen a lot of also just mad like people saying it somewhat like. Please explain to me if you do think this film is a masterpiece. I'm not going to take the piss out of you. Don't worry. I want to know why you think this is a masterpiece because mm. I don't like. What is the aspects? of this you enjoy i just want to know i just want to know why because you see a lot of people just go oh it's the best thing ever i I don't actually see many i haven't seen many full-on like critiques or arguments saying why why just yeah. like why is this a great film like yeah. a lot of people say i've seen saying like oh you can like this all this boils down to marvel versus dc which is just boring and exhausting yeah. but it's like oh you've got your marvel like popcorn films like this is the true artist's like comic book film it's the lord of the rings of is like comic fuck? book films it's like no it's not because <laughs> lord of the rings is very fun um but well yeah the, the only all... argument i've seen people making for why they like this is because they're saying oh we're finally giving some of these characters more screen time and getting to learn them but i was like but if you fundamentally don't like i don't talk i don't care about the comic book version of character i care about yeah. what's in front of me on the screen and if you fundamentally don't like this presentation of it it's not a good film yeah mm-hmm. exactly and it's not a slight on snyder at all because i don't think it's his fault and obviously what happened to him was a tragedy but look yeah i just yeah and fair enough he probably has put a lot of passion into this film hmm. for me it doesn't show on screen i don't see the passion in there but so you know, i think i yeah. do but i okay. just it's just not my version and like it's i say shared. i think i yeah. rate it higher than any of you but like for me it's a six out of ten because i think overall like the story it's telling f- doesn't feel all that compelling mm-hmm. but i can i can see it as an artistic point like everything there is it is a really defined vision it's just a vision that i mm-hmm. don't yeah like like uh one thing i will say is if you've got your heart set on the joker stuff please <laughs> go into this four hour thing not expecting a lot because most of this four hours is definitely stuff that he had originally shot like if you don't know how films are made filmmakers shoot an awful lot more footage than they ever end up using and a lot of this is stuff that was originally shot and you can tell because the quality of those is substantially higher than anything that got reshot and some of that has to be re-cgi'd and i think you'll find that the cg budget isn't quite enough and there are shots in this film that look really quite bad in comparison to other stuff. Yeah. But the stuff that was reshot with Jared Leto, the, the stuff that was new material with Jared Leto, um, looks quite bad. It, it's not very well realized in terms of its CG. It was quite obviously done on a green screen set, but also adds fundamentally nothing to the film <laughs> other than some quite cringeworthy, really poorly thought out dialogue. 100%. I think, I think the the last half the entire last half an hour of this film i'm not gonna say anything about it apart from it's just completely unnecessary and a mess mm-hmm. like it doesn't yeah. need to be it feels fan servicey like all the way through it it just feels it was like throwing shit at the wall just like mm-hmm. let's just chuck everything in like this is the one chance we got to make this remake this film 
even though it's talking about being four hours to get all this stuff in, it felt like it could have easily been a three-hour film. Like, it didn't mm-hmm. need to be four hours. It, like, oh. it's so bloated, even from the start. Um, it's one minor spoiler to say. It's not really a spoiler, but there's, like, a five, ten-minute scene with Cyborg, like, looking at someone's bank account. Like, <laughs> like a digital representation, digital representation of someone's bank account. And I was like, this did not need to be here. <laughs> I'm going to finish over the next couple of days and I can't wait for that scene. But yeah, mm-hmm. it's just, I think everyone, like it's been well reported, it doesn't really finish. It ends on a big cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. like it's just, it would just be intriguing to see what happens next and what, like, because obviously yeah, there's the whole campaign, which is another, uh, yet again, another conversation about how this film even came about. Yeah. Yeah. Like, w- what happens next? Do more films get made? Because you're going to be in this position now where you've also got the Batman coming out. Mm. Which uh, looks so next much year better. Now or later. That is more... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's much more what I I want. will say but, um, <laughs> I if you were looking forward to this film, I hope it's everything you want. Like, I genuinely have nothing... If, if these are the sort of films that you like, I have nothing against the fact that that's the Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman that you want to see. And I hope it does everything for you, but I also hope that this is the end of this chapter <laughs> yes. and sort of like... That Matt, you know, I'd love if Matt Reeves' Batman, you know, is really mm-hmm. good and, and paves the way for a new form of DC. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I like um, the trajectory with the Joker as well. I like this, like t- just telling stories, you know, or one-off stories. They don't have to copy Marvel's format. You know, mm-hmm. do your do your own thing, and I really like the idea of doing Joker and the Batman, and then I guess even Wonder Woman, are like was kind of even though she's connected to that universe, she's still it was still an isolated story. Yeah, I, I like that approach. Yeah. Uh, and I can already hear the people saying, well, Matt Reeves is the Batman, looks very dark, and you said you don't want to see the dark version of his characters. For a Batman standalone film, I think that can work, because mm, mm. his world is very much like that. And fundamentally, I have a lot more faith in Matt Reeves than I do <laughs> Zack Snyder, so that's why I'm personally more but the dark, excited. The Dark Knight is really dark. It's, I think the fundamental thing is, like, I just yeah. don't think the values of the Snyderverse Batman is the same as what I perceive Batman yeah. to be. Um, yeah. And... I just think he looks like he's having a bit of a boring time. Yeah. You say the Dark Knight's really dark, but they still have scenes like, you know, when that one guy's trying to blackmail him and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. There's still elements. There's, there's fun. fun. Yeah. yeah, There's fun in there. Mm. Exactly. Um, I think that's enough about that. I'm sure we'll talk about it again. Maybe we'll do a spoiler-filled section. I'm sure a lot that we'll have a lot of feedback about the Snyder I imagine. I do genuinely want to hear why you think it's good. Don't worry, you're not going to have the piss taken out of you. We're not nasty people. Um but yeah, it's just not for us, I think, fundamentally, no. is what we're coming down to. It's just not for us. Do you know what it is for us, though? Because we're massive Marvel fanboys. <laughs> um, no, we're not. Um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier has returned today. No spoilers again, because mm-hmm. I imagine a lot of people will be getting around to watching it or haven't seen it yet. But it is another good start to a Marvel TV show. Matt, mm. you've reviewed Hi. this. Yep. You just can't stop reviewing the Marvel shows. Is that because you hate DC and everything to do with <laughs> no, He didn't review Justice League, did he? So he didn't. What's no, exactly. Yeah. What are we thinking there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, if you're, if, you're a, if you're a fan of Justice League, that may be to your benefit because we gave it an eight because <laughs> someone that did like it reviewed yeah, it. Exactly. Um, talking of eights, that is also what I gave the first episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is one point higher than I gave the, uh, the WandaVision intro. And mm. uh, part of that is I think that... I think Falcon and Winter Soldier drills a little bit deeper to the heart of what that show is more immediately than WandaVision does. And I know that that wasn't the point. WandaVision was supposed to disguise kind of what its true intents were through the sitcom thing. But I think by getting to the heart of the matter quite quickly, there's already quite a lot of interesting things about these characters that have been laid out 
and it's definitely a character focused piece at least this first episode is it might become a bit more action focused and buddy comedy as the line goes down but certainly it establishes it as a show about character and about who those people are to the point that there's there's only two action scenes in this entire episode and it's a 45 minute episode um so it's very much about like themes of honor and duty and responsibility from um from falcon we all know that at the end of endgame he was given captain america's shield which sort of suggests that steve was like hey it's time for you to do this and i think this show is going to explore the ideas of what that means to to falcon how he's mm-hmm. gonna you know approach that and whether he even wants it or, or how he'd like to to perceive that mm-hmm. and then with bucky who i think has always been quite a 2d character so far he's never had quite uh you know a huge amount because he he's a villain for one film and then the other films he's sort of like yeah. a background character yeah. and so this really drills to the idea of like what if you know you'd spent a great deal of your 90 years that you somehow managed to be alive through like cryogenesis and, and special serums what happens if most of that time you've been indoctrinated by like what spun out of the nazi party you've been going around killing a lot of people but you've since been deprogrammed and are now trying to reintegrate into american society and so there's loads of really interesting sort of digging around there kind of like how he's there's like a parallel to substance abuse where he's got like a therapist that's helping him through this and it's like, well, with substance abuse, how do you get over the people that you hurt? But also mm-hmm. the fact that you were a victim of like a, like the drug system at the same time. Mm. And these are quite deep subjects for a Marvel show to sort of be exploring. But I really like that it's going there. Yeah. I really like it. So I think it's similar to WandaVision. It's an exploration of grief at the start as well. Mm-hmm. But much more of a human, but like obviously... Falcon and Winter Soldier, they are just men. They've had things happen to them. They have gadgets and bionic arms and such, but, you know, they are just fundamentally humans, whereas Wanda is a, you know, at a this witch. point, another worldly, yeah, another worldly creature. Like, she can conjure up a whole town, whereas Falcon and Winter Soldier, yeah, they're just, uh, they're both people who have lost their best. And you get the sense only friends in this mm-hmm. world, really, and they're now just alone, living, like, and you also get that sense that Marvel will do so well of all these characters you think are unconnected. Like Falcon and Winter Soldier, they've never really spent any time together. Like they don't know each other really. They're not friends. They're both they have a mutual friend who happened to be the most famous person in the world. But <laughs> like I really enjoy like yeah, seeing them basically try and live a normal life because at this point we're not really and we've not seen it. Like what are after infin- after Endgame even? do the avengers exist are they doing anything or are they all just off living trying to get on with their life now and that's Mm. what we're seeing there's lots of good scenes of them trying to adjust to normal life and i yeah i really like bucky in this i think he like the scene i don't suppose there's a really good reveal in this that is just like heartbreaking but like you get the sense like oh he's a bit of an asshole but then you're seeing oh he's not he's just basically just riddled with guilt yeah and that's yeah. The, the back to justice league a little bit the one thing <laughs> that that sort of um made this stand out because i watched them almost back to back like i watched one this morning mm. one thing that really made it stand out is the marvel characters they always feel like real people with this superhero element part of their life whereas mm. in the justice league it feels like that's all they are 
you know wonder woman is yeah. wonder woman is only that batman is only that whereas this you're seeing you know these real people having conversations sometimes about fantastical elements but it always feels real it always feels like grounded people talking in the world and then they happen to mention things like a blip and fighting aliens every now and again <laughs> and it always feels legitimate um and i think that's the thing i enjoyed the most about it especially coming off the back of justice league i think mm-hmm. um yeah i'm i'm deep in so far i didn't expect it to be um as much of a character study as well for some reason i thought it was more going to be like almost a buddy cop sort of situation like solving cases together working together i guess i didn't even think about well there needs to be time to to establish who these people are on their day-to-day like oh actually no let's not go into that because it's spoiler territory (laughs) but there's some stuff about sam's life that you find out that really adds a lot more like i'm so much more interested in him now than i've been in any of the films up to this point i also think the important thing that it does with sam is like it actively recognizes that being african-american in america has an impact on your life and there's some mm-hmm. stuff that and whether you're does, an avenger or not <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah and it does this thing that marvel i think does very well where it kind of like it's almost quite casual about the way that it introduces these elements but because i've watched this episode twice for for review and when i was watching it through again i was like that's actually that it really drills deep to the idea of kind of like sam still experiences racism through the system it doesn't matter that you know, he's a superhero that has saved people and, and been part of these big things. There is, there's still some shit about America that affects his life. And it's done in such a small way that it's just an everyday part of his life. I am interested to see how that plays into this grander idea of a black man taking potentially up the mantle of Captain America and what that means for that country. Like, yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of deep things that are explored in the way that Marvel does quite lightheartedly that makes it super accessible. It doesn't feel like it's too weighty but it does have hidden depth. Yeah, it's brilliant. I thought the, I thought the the ending was a fantastic tease as well. Like I didn't yeah. really I guess to its benefit, I haven't really given this show much thought until I pressed play this morning. Like it's kind of I knew it was coming but I never really thought about it. Didn't really watch the trailers. So, I guess it's all feeling like a surprise so mm-hmm. far, which is nice. Like I really I'm, like it. I'm I was, we said there's only like one or two action scenes, but I think the opening, which is exactly what I said, Justy doesn't do, opens with a really fun punch in the face action scene. Yeah, and it's really fun. It's like I think in your review you said it's like a Mission Impossible scene. For mm. me, it was like a Nolan yeah. film as well, just like choreographed like that sort of style. And yeah, I was just it was just a really fun twist on what Falcon can do. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was just a great way to open it. I love like, the think... return of George St. Pierre as well. Like <laughs> I haven't seen him for about six <laughs> films. What's he been doing this entire time? Uh, yeah, he's having the, a good time. There's, there's <laughs> an interesting, cause the, the way that that opening is sort of like a mirror of, um, of the winter soldier, like the original film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if you go into the show, it is the captain America show to the point that yes, it's not directed by the Russo brothers, but it has that, that kind of gritty texture that both the the Winter Soldier and Civil War have, it's got those political kind of undertones. It's got the... It doesn't build a lot of the main plot in this first episode, but what it does build of that plot is very spy thriller-ish. You know, it's it's a terrorist organisation and there's there's elements of kind of like national security and stuff like that. So I'm re- those are my favourite of the standalone films, so I'm looking forward to mm-hmm. seeing where we go. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to the rest of that. I'm looking forward to my boy Zemo getting some screen time <laughs> and inevitably having nasty things to say and do probably because he's a naughty boy, Mr. <laughs> Zemo. Uh, 
let's carry on with Avengers because uh, last night there was Square Enix Presents, a new stream that Square Enix are doing to update people on all their games. We're just going to highlight a couple of things that were big from that. Uh, mm. I'm just going to kick things off by saying we finally have a roadmap for Marvel's Avengers. What's Six months after... Oh, wouldn't you like to know? Uh, six months after launch, we're finally getting some contact, some content that was promised in the weeks after launch. So um, it's been a rocky road for Avengers. I think that's well documented. There's a lot of fun stuff on this roadmap that I'm excited for, but it does boil down to that thing of every month or two, it looks like there's some cool things happening, some cool events. But what is going to keep me playing this game every day? So if you didn't know yesterday, the next gen and... The next gen versions drops and Hawkeye dropped along with his future imperfect storyline. Uh, I played through the main storyline missions last night. It's still only what an hour to an hour and a half, four to five missions. It's sadly what I expected it would be, which is a few missions and a boss fight uh, that has a tiny bit of story attached to it. And it's the same old story of Avengers for me is Hawkeye, very fun to play. I really enjoyed his abilities i think he's great fun i like his interpretation of the characters very good you get young hawkeye you get old man hawkeye both very good but yet again after today i'm like well what am i gonna play in avengers now for a few weeks so (laughs) what they do have coming up on this roadmap is they've got the tachyon anomaly event are we all excited for that it's uh (laughs) basically it's an event that allows for multiple of the same hero to be on a team right. so we can you can have four hulks you can have four iron mans if you want playing together because that's one of the complaints about avengers is well if i want to play black widow and my mates already playing black widow i can't play black widow with him so i'm just gonna well, i'm gonna have less fun playing as iron man well, well especially because just... it demands a lot of time to make those characters viable like you can't just yep. go oh i'll use iron man today because my iron man's like level five and he's piss poor yep. Exactly. So this event allows, basically, there's going to be new cosmetics to get, but the main thing is it makes every multiplayer mission, you can now do it with any characters you want, multiples. And when I talked, so I interviewed them, when I talked to them about this, I said, like, is this basically a testing bed? Like, can we see more of this in the future? And they they basically said, we're doing it for this event and that's it for now. But Mm. I imagine if player feedback as i expect is this was great we want this i could see this becoming a bit of a norm in the future i guess as somebody who's not really played the multiplayer um doing that kind of goes against the vision of the playing as the avengers right then it's another game at that point but but at the end of the day you still want your player base to have fun exactly it's that fun i know what you mean it's that is that um thin line you have to cross and but then Around the same time as the Black Widow movie coming out, there's the Red Room Takeover, which is basically Yelena, uh, Black Widow's old adversary, is hacked a lot of the robots in the game, and you have to collect those and find out who's the source of this hack and what's going on. Also, the Harm Rooms in the games, which are big, like basically your training rooms, mm-hmm. they're going to be taken over as the Red Room, and there's going to be like hard challenges to do in those rooms. Yet again, sounds like another few hours of content to enjoy a month. So, do you reckon they've been sitting on that because when the film got delayed, or what do you reckon? I don't know. I really don't know. I I, I, did, I didn't ask them that. To be fair. But uh, <laughs> just, just it's curious. not an official. So it's not an official tie-in. There's no like MCU tie-in hmm. with this in particular. It just happens to be dropping at the same time as right, the Black okay. Widow film. There are going to be some official MCU cosmetics coming into the game later in the year, so you can get your 
like Captain America from the film Skin if you want and stuff like that, which I think people people have wanted since day one because I think we're at a point where everyone's favourite interpretations of those characters are the MCU versions yeah. and that's what they want them to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's, there's some other, like we're finally getting some high-level endgame missions, but obviously the headline is later this year there's the War for Wakanda expansion, which... The word expansion confused people because everyone's like, oh, does that mean we have to pay for it? It's going to be free. Don't worry about that. If you own the game, you're getting it for free. But I think the fact that it is an expansion speaks to me because that makes it sound like it's more than just two hours of content this time. It's going to be... Three hours of content. (laughs) (laughs) And it's all about capturing zones and sitting on little (laughs) spots for four minutes. we We can hope for what? I like Black Panther a lot. I like Wakanda a lot. I just want a new biome. We got a new biome with the... um, hawkeye stuff but it is just a wasteland like it's a post-apocalyptic desert it's not that interesting to look at whereas wakanda is just a fun place i imagine to be there's a short teaser trailer that makes it look very nice um but there's lots of stuff coming with that you've got black panther a new uh, finally a new villain claw voices the uh voiceover so we're getting at least one new villain in claw and a new enemy faction which is his kind of troops because so far we've only fought robots um what, what about if claw plays exactly like hulk or an abomination don't please don't <laughs> Taskmaster again. just a uh, reskin <laughs> yeah and the power level caps increase so at least that gives something for people who have maxed out their characters something to achieve like it was a weird moment last night so Dale, I know you'd appreciate this. When I loaded up the PS5 version of Avengers, I got my second platinum just for booting up the game. That sweet, sweet feeling. It? Yeah, I've had a few but of them. It's good. It was bittersweet because, do you know what? I wouldn't have minded if they said, here's five more trophies to go for in this version just to give me something to do in that game because <laughs> I want to play that game. But there's literally no reason. Yeah. Like, I played it for an hour with Greg last night. I was just like, it was nice to have a chat. But apart from that, I was like, which is like, what? What are we doing here? See, for me, like, that's, like the, that's the fundamental fuck up. Is that <laughs> you shouldn't need to play it to get to like something. You should enjoy playing the game. Like I'm not mm, playing yeah. Overwatch because I'm desperate to hit a new milestone. That's the beauty of Overwatch. There are no milestones in that game. It's just yeah. about playing it and enjoying it. Like yeah. I, it. I think the mission design of Avengers is the thing that put me off it. Like I love those characters, and I think there's some fun combat there but mm-hmm. everything it asked me to do was just go and sit on a point mm. and, and collect yeah. them and wait for the point to get captured it's a tough one i want them to turn it around like this is definitely a step in the right direction i don't think it's a big enough like until we see exactly how big the black panther stuff is i don't think we'll have a grasp on like is it enough to bring people back in because at this point there's not enough to turn the ship around completely but i think it is at least heading in the right direction and i know anthem had a roadmap and i know <laughs> like where that went but i'm just there is that thing with avengers is like they did launch in a horrible time to launch when i speak to them they basically said the pandemic and working from home made every part of development take three to four times longer than it should have so like they are but they know they're behind schedule they know there's lots to do I just don't have the feeling they're giving up anytime soon, and I'm just hopeful it will get to a place. But I don't think they can know, at this point. We'll they see. can't afford to because if you yeah. look at when yeah. you looked at Square's um, financials, 
So when Final Fantasy VII Remake came out, which obviously did absolute gangbusters, you know, every mm-hmm. fan bought it and it had, and, you know, bought on a whole new fan base. And so Square's operating profit was through the fucking roof. And then you can see the moment Avengers comes out, their operating profit goes into the red and goes into the red by several million. It's just, it's been a real tough time. And I don't think they can afford, like, so much of. They literally, like, there are elements of. They let um, IO Interactive go as part of, like, when they were channeling funds into Crystal to make sure that they could make the event. Because, of course, the Avengers was going to be the biggest game in the world. And then it came out and it wasn't. Yeah. Like, they've got, they they can't afford not to, basically. (laughs) But yeah, that's that. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm hopeful that, you know. Come at, like you know, this is me speaking. Someone who probably likes this game more than most people on this planet. Even I'm not 100% convinced. So take that with a pinch of salt. Um, let's move away from superheroes, but not completely away from superpowers. Uh, a new Life is Strange game has been announced. Dale, this is <laughs> this is your bag, isn't it? Um, yeah, probably not. Probably not. Uh, let's talk, to talk why about don't this. Me and, why don't me and Matt talk about yeah, Life is Strange? I'm to be fair. I'm not the biggest Life is Strange fan in the world, but I don't actively uh, hate everything about it. Like <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I really, I bounced off the first Life is Strange. I didn't, I didn't dislike. It. I just found it a little bit dull. It was a bit too slow for what I was looking for at that time. I think, but I'm, I'm into Life is Strange True Colors, the one they just announced, because I'm into that character. Her power is like psychic empathy, so she can yeah. read people's feelings and basically read their minds, essentially. And the setting looks really nice. And you know what hooked me in most, Matt, before on, you then. talk about what you want to see about this? Um, the fact that it's just out and it's not episodic. Because mm-hmm. I think that's what's put me off in the past. Is like I played the first episode of the first one and I was like, ah, that was okay, but I'm, I'm not desperately waiting for the next episode. Whereas this, out in one go... If I want to play it, I can play it in a weekend. Yeah, so I've played two of the Life is Strange games in one go and one of them episodically. So I played Life is Strange 1 at the end of its run. I played it, I think it finished just about Christmas time that year that it came out. So I played it over the Christmas holiday. And then I actually did exactly the same with Life is Strange 2. Me and Joe played it over like the, the Christmas, not mm-hmm. last Christmas, Christmas before. Um, whereas the only one that I have played episodically is actually Deck Nine's uh, Life Strange, which is before the storm, and Deck Nine are back for this one, so it's not the same team as Life Strange One and Two. I actually think Deck Nine are probably the better studio. I think there's a lot about Before the Storm I liked. Um, I think they had a great announcement yesterday, and that's because I can't think of many games that just fucking gets it audience as well as Life is Strange does. It knows exactly who it's targeting. Yeah. It knows the kind of it's like, like the Snyder Cut. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's very true. Yeah, yeah. but it's I'm like, not in it... either of those audiences. <laughs> <laughs> but it's sort of like Square overall, and then like obviously both Don't Nod and Deck Nine get that kind of like like women are a huge part of that demographic. Kind of queer circles are a huge part, and it absolutely fully caters to those completely without. Mm-hmm oh, we're going to brush this stuff under the carpet. And if you play it, you'll find it. But no, we've got to put a man on the cover or something like that. Like, it absolutely Mm. knows kind of, like, who the people to play. I love that it is so open-hearted that it it is completely unabashed about, you say, its empathy and its superpower this time is empathy. Whereas before, it's kind of been, like, being able to reverse time and stuff like that. It's really doubling down on what the life is strange games are about which is about sort of the human condition and sort of like trying to just get your way through life and life is difficult 
Um, I think it's cool that it opens on so Alex Chen, who's the main character, like it is. They've already said that it's about like the death of of someone close to her, and so that won't be a twist. Now it's kind of like okay, well, what are the twists that are going to be going down the road? Um, as you say, it's all it, it is one game. It's split into chapters, so it will have that episodic feel yeah. and have presumably cliffhangers through. But I also like that it's set in a town that looks quite open, so it might have a bit. Whereas the other games have been in the telltale mold of kind of like it's an interactive movie. One of the things I used to really like about old school point and clicks like Monkey Island was they were essentially open world games. Like you had a whole yeah. island and you could just go around it trying to figure it out. I like the idea of going back to something that's like, here's the town and there are all the people that you're going to need and all the items you're ever going to need to kind of solve whatever mystery that, that game poses. And just being able to free form, sort of work that out and go from bit to bit. So yeah, there's there's a lot and like it's got it's got all the kind of indie folk music choices that I dig. Well, and... That's what I was gonna say. Like I it says a lot when I enjoyed this trailer despite it having an acoustic <laughs> cover of Creeper, yeah. which we don't we don't need any more of those. Radiohead nailed it. Everyone mm. stop singing Creep, it's not a love song. I, um... I it's definitely <laughs> not a love song, but I mean it's I don't think it's been presented as like Life is Strange always has the central character is a bit feels they're yeah. out of place and i know there's I a more that. sinister fits, side to creep but yeah. it fits life is strange yeah. but i was more thinking back to like the x factor days when like people go on and sing creep i'm like you don't you don't <laughs> you're not really getting what this song is uh and it annoyed me frankly stop getting rodeo head wrong <laughs> um <laughs> it's what i basically sound like right now um but yeah i i think i'm gonna give it a go it's out in september i think mm-hmm. isn't it? so it's not yeah. far away and it's all uh, it's all mo-capped so it'll actually look good Life is Strange yep. has never looked great and has always been kind of like hand animated, so it's always a bit stiff. But this time around, and also they're doing remasters of the of the other mm-hmm. ones, so they're doing Life is Strange and Before the Storm, which apparently has new animation. So I'm hoping they've done a bit of mocap for those as well because they deserve nice. it. Mm. Lovely. Uh, the last Square game we're going to talk about is well, we talk about briefly because we frankly don't know a lot about it, but we do know that Project Athia is now called Forspoken, uh, which looks a bit mad it's i'm trying to get a grip on what exactly it is but it's that like motherfucking a, dragon it is it, oh <laughs> god blooming yeah. is it blooming is matt uh, i like that that was just in there nice yeah. touch um but it's about a woman it looks post-apocalyptic but she's wearing modern clothes so it's like a fantasy post-apocalypse set but she's wearing very much like she's wearing like trainers and jeans as far as i can see kind of that urban fantasy feel that's yeah. kind of like quite popular in like ya literature um, at the moment yeah, and we got a li- like we've barely seen anything, but I'm, I'm into it. Like the traversal looks ridiculous. I mean, I'm it looks like sure Final Fantasy 15 because obviously it's the yeah. same engine as Final Fantasy 15, mm-hmm. and a lot of the developers are from the Final Fantasy 15 project. Um, but yeah, I'm the what did we get? 20 seconds of footage. I'm yeah. into it. <laughs> yeah, should be big like tendrilled roots out of the ground to destroy something. I mean, yeah, I'm into it. I'm hoping it's. I'm hoping it is like yeah, a good old, good old, uh, just a good action RPG and not too like in the weeds. No mm. pun intended. Like a uh, like Final Fantasy, like too much like menu management mm. system and skill points. I'm hoping it's more like Square Enix is almost like Horizon sort of game. You want yeah, it to be closer definitely. to like a platinum game, right? Like like uh, yeah. near Automata has got like its RPG elements, but it is fundamentally an action game with some RPG stat side. Yeah. I'm into it. 
Uh, I think they said 2022, which means probably 2023. Uh, so <laughs> we'll see. Uh, but yeah, into it. Thank you, Square. It's just, it's just nice these days to have any sort of stream or event or announcement because, yeah, it's just nice to hear stuff. Uh, do you know what's also nice? The Endless Search. Inside is a UK IGN crew. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you inside. I got a question for you. Hold tight, the DJ, we're coming through. Yeah, yeah, and ones and twos. We got the games gonna play for you inside. I got a question for you. Is it in the search? The son of Godiva. What quiz do you bring us today? Well, I bring you a quiz from another quiz master from someone who's written in for a quiz and his name oh. is alexander fisher so thank you very much for sending this in this one caught my eye and you'll see why we'll get to it in a little bit didn't mean that to rhyme grot right. <laughs> <laughs> uh so alex says uh, i assume it's alexander sorry I'll, I'll full name you from now on alexander says uh endless search submission for you hope it entertains kisses uh so the name of his quiz is called the goof is loose and it's a very familiar format, an IMDb-driven format. But go. this time we're talking about the goof list or the, what, they call them goofs? I guess it is. Lists of goofs, yeah. We've used, uh, IMDb has a list of goofs for films where users have pointed out errors. Sometimes these are editing mistakes, okay. sometimes historical inaccuracies. All are peden- pedantic. Guess the <laughs> film from the list of the goofs. So the, the interesting thing he's done here, which is why it caught my attention, it was... Obviously, some of the times character names have to be mentioned in these goofs. So yeah. I keep saying goofs. Goofs. I keep saying goofs like it's V-E on the end. Goofs. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, sometimes I've got character names, but he's replaced all the character names with names of IGN UK podcast hosts or previous hosts as well, which I think makes okay. it a little, okay. bit of, a little bit of fun. So okay. uh, there's three for each scoring system is usually the same. Three points for correct answer after one, and then so on okay. and so forth. Uh, right, let's do this. I'm just going to draw do a, it. a little table so I can keep do the it. score. Do it. Okay, film number one. The world map on the wall of the radio room, as well as the one in the exercise room, shows countries with present-day borders. Oh. That is quite tough. Yeah. Sorry, I... Mr. These are all films, aren't they? These yeah. So games. they're all films, yeah. Of yeah, IMDb. Yeah. I don't. Suspect. What are the so rooms again? So the world map on the wall of the radio room, as well as the one of the exercise room, shows countries exercise. with present-day borders. Exercise room. Oh, my it's head's it. gone to Inglorious Bastards for some reason. It's not Inglorious Bastards. It's definitely it's a historical it. film, though, right? Because it's, it's got to be about... like pre nineteen ninety. It's got to have like at least soviet stuff going on mm. is it like the um <sighs> exercise room what's the one with cumberbatch in the thing... theory of everything no no the one about the enigma no that's um that's red man cumberbatch is not in this film, oh the so. imitation yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not that no. it's not that one <laughs> that's a good film i like that film mm. uh, i'm moving on to the next one yeah, yeah. Here we, and here's the first name drop as well, oh. which is a weird one to go for first. But here we go. When Lucy James escapes from her <laughs> bodyguard into a lift, she raises her middle finger at him. Not a gesture of Edwardian, not a gesture oh. an Edwardian lady would use. Hmm. Uh, it's definitely one that Lucy James would use. Uh, <laughs> uh, I can tell you that. So I'll read and that is again. it. The Prestige. 
It's not a prestige. When Lucy James escapes from her bodyguard into a lift, she raises her middle finger at him. Not a gesture an Edwardian lady would use. Into a lift? So it's, it's, it's a point. Duh, duh, duh. Would have a bodyguard. Ah, oh, this is annoying. It's like the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. <laughs> no. Uh, an Edwardian bodyguard. Uh, the Mummy? No, it's not The Mummy. Oh. Right, I'm moving on to the last clue. Yeah. The, t- <laughs> the tune that Tamar Hussein and Lucy James danced to <laughs> on the steerage is called The Hills of Connemara, written by Sean McCarthy, who was born in 1923, 11 years after the IGN UK office sank. Oh, Titanic. it's Titanic. It's Titanic, yeah. <laughs> Who said that first? Was that Cardi? Cardi, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hadn't Jeez. read that one in I mean, advance, so when I got to the IGN UK office bit, it caught me by surprise. <laughs> yeah. All right. I think we're actually going to get some actual host names in the next one. <laughs> While Joe Scrabbles is travelling in outer space, the stars <laughs> in the background are blinking. In reality, the apparent blinking is due to the atmosphere between the stars and the observer. So in space, this phenomenon would not occur. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of space films, isn't there? Uh, interstellar. No. A Star Gravity. Wars film? <laughs> it's not a Star Wars film, no. Gravity. Good. I'm just going to name space films. Let's carry on. Let's Ad Astra. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're moving on. When the Chris Tilly bot finds paint on the floor, it stops. And when it stops, you hear the sound of tires screeching. Yet the Chris Tilly bot hovers around on the ground. Moon? No. Mm. See why you thought that, though. <laughs> it's not interstellar either. Hobbies A floating robot. So I'll read it again. When the Chris Tilly bot finds paint on the floor, it stops. And when it stops, you hear the sounds of tires screeching. Yet the Chris Tilly bot hovers above the ground. Screeching. There's something in space that uses paint and has a flying robot. Alien? No. Oh, yeah, there's nothing in that. Um, whatchamacallit, what's the film I'm thinking of? <laughs> What's the film I'm thinking of? Oh, it's totally gone out. I feel of my like if head. you can't think of the film name, then you definitely haven't got it. <laughs> okay, that'll make sense when we get to it. Okay, uh, okay yeah. the last one, the waste cube. Event Horizon. That was no. the film I was thinking. <laughs> uh, you're struggling to figure that. It's all time classic, mate. Don't uh, come to my head. The waste cube that Joe Scrabbles produces during the intro- Wally. It is Wally. Yes, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> So, do you remember the bit with the paint when there's that little robot who's got like the brush on the end it's of his hand? It's been a long time since I've seen Wally. Oh, I watched it not like long you. ago. It's good. It's very good. It's a good film. Yeah. It's good film. All right. Oh, we're... Good. It's Moana. Uh, oh, God, <laughs> you Moana. <laughs> All right. We're moving on. When Simon Cardi visits Daniel Krupa in February, it's obviously winter with snow on the ground. Yet after a brief meeting, they venture out onto a balcony where it's summer with green foliage and no, br- and no breath visible. Oh, that does sound like something we'd do. Yeah. <laughs> what, change seasons? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're masters of the season. Uh, I mean, that could be anything. <laughs> I mean, yeah. 
Uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo. No. <laughs> Just picking a film that had some snow in it. That's always snowy, isn't it? Yeah. It's not. Uh, Skyfall. No. Did that? Uh, I don't know. It, it, Inception. I don't no. I feel like I'm going to move on. Yeah, yeah. Could be anything. When Matt Perslow is in jail and traps the guard, yep. he begins the scene writing down his tricks. All ten fingers are visible when two of them should prestige. be partially got. Is the prestige? Prestige. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Oh. And the last one on this is when Simon Cardi and Jesse Gomez, both played by Hugh Jackman, are in a circular <laughs> tracking shot together. Simon Cardi wobbles up and down slightly, revealing him to be inserted an inserted visual effect. Sorry. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. There we go. So I mean, Kruger was uh, David Bowie in that scene, I'm guessing. Yeah. So that's, that, uh, that's a treat for him. <laughs> All he right, the next one. Dale Driver has a pronounced Scottish accent at the start of the film, which deteriorates markedly just in a couple of scenes. By the end of the film, he has an upper-class English, upper English accent. That's bizarre. Who could that be? Did Robert... De- Sherlock Holmes, did he do something like that? No. It's got to be someone oh, He might like have that. done that, but it's not Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Danny Jr. has a terrible Welsh accent in uh, yeah. Doctor Doolittle, but... Yeah. Scottish accent that turns into in terms English, of upper class yeah. English like, accent within a couple of like scenes. I'd, I feel like I'd know this film off the top of my head if I uh... like. I, I know this film very well, and I've never noticed that or never thought about that. So we did say they were pedantic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think we need another clue here. Okay, all right. Keza McDonald says that she's a vegetarian. Later in the movie, she is seen about to take a bite of Jello. Jello's key ingredient is gelatin, which a vegetarian would not eat. I mean, you can get vegetarian jelly, yeah, can't you? Can, you? So, yeah, maybe, yeah, so is this set? Pedantic. But or is this set in a time when vegetarian alternatives were not available? Oh. Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? Scottish. Oh, is this Matilda? No. no. Uh, for some reason, I had the Miss Trunchbull had a Scottish accent at the start, and it went. <laughs> does she? I don't think she does. She no, she probably doesn't. Probably all in my head. I don't... Okay, I'm going to move on. Who's the vegetarian in Matilda? I, someone could have been. Yeah. Matilda looks like she could have been. Okay, I'm moving on. Miss Honey. <laughs> it's not Matilda. <laughs> when Alex Simmons is holding the baby, Gav. Oh wait, sorry. When Alex Simmons is holding the baby, Gav Murphy. He asks Stuart Reed, "What species is this?" And he replies, "What species is this?" And he receives the reply, "Uh, it's a Welshman. In fact, Welshman is the is the genus of the animal, the genus of the animal, not the species." Jurassic Park. It is Jurassic Park. Yeah, if I know. If it was all on the table there on that last one, the Welshman bit is like, yeah. Who's Scottish? Who has a Scottish? So I guess they're talking about um, oh, what's his face? Hammond, yeah. Scott, does he? In the first couple of scenes, I guess, is when he goes to Grant at the dig site and proposes. I mean, yeah, he's the he only does he, I, could think I feel like he does have elements of that. a Scottish accent then. Yeah, I Maybe. don't know. I don't know why Attenborough chose that. Uh, yeah. Use your voice, mate. <laughs> uh, there you go. All right. Uh, it's, who's the vegeta- who's a vegetarian? Uh, is it the girl? Yeah, the young girl. I forget her name. Um, yeah. But she, yeah, she's the one eating Jello, isn't she? There we go. What is her name? It's Timmy and oh, that's really one. Doesn't matter now. It, it does. Matter. I need to know. Uh, oh, anyway. I'll search for you. 
Well, anyway, up. it's five nil to Cardi right now. So say. this is this is just for fun. This last one. <laughs> Tom Butler is seen holding a Granny Smith apple. Granny Smiths originated in Australia in 1868, around 150 years after the events of this film. Uh, her name is Lex, by the way. Ah, there we Alex. go. Alex, yeah. Lex, Lex. Uh, um, sorry, say that again. So Tom Butler is seen holding a Granny Smith apple. Granny Smiths originated in Australia in 1868, around 150 years after the events of the film. So you know old when one, the then. film is. You know when the film's based. Is, is the Granny Smith that distinctive? <laughs> I know so a Granny on, Smith when I see it, mate. It's got it's got a distinctive <laughs> crunch, so maybe they yeah. heard it. Uh, I imagine in my head the Granny Smith was like I don't know in the eight, late eighteen hundreds. So I'm thinking this is like a, a quite an old film. I don't know. I mean, it tells you almost I mean, exactly when the film is based. Yeah, yeah, it's clip. 150 years before the 1830s. 1868, so oh, it's sorry. like 1700. I, I completely ignore that fact. Just <laughs> me trying to show off when I know when the Granny Smith was. <laughs> <laughs> Shakespeare in love? No. <laughs> I'm trying to think of any film from that era. Okay, the I'm other Berlin on. girl. <laughs> it might not be a true story, by the way. Uh, uh. When Luke Kamali and the Robert Anderson are leaving the house from the promotion ceremony, automobile track tires can clearly be seen. Oh, it was in like, there's been a, a car on There's set been a car then, there when there yeah. shouldn't be a car. That's just basically an extension of the previous one, isn't it? It's, like, it's old. In the 1600s. Pirates of the Caribbean? It is Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, the last one is when Rory Powers arrives on the HMS RKG to fight the cursed pirates. Some of the naval personnel are fighting no one because the CGI skeletons weren't put in. There we go. There we go. Thought it was a nice, nice bit of fun. It's Thank you very game. much. Different game. It was a fun game. I enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Cheers, uh, Alex. Thank you, Alexander. Please, yeah. please his full name. <laughs> he does actually put uh, Alex, Alex Fisher. Oh, okay, yeah, sorry, it's fine. Mr. Fisher. Let's do with that. Um, <laughs> why don't we have some feedback? How about we do that? Remember, if you want to send yours in, IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN dot com, and tell us why we are Snyder Cut haters. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll uh, I'll start. We've got one in from Tom Smith who says. Hey guys, listen for a long time and never had and never felt the need to write in until now. The talk of conkers reminded me of a conversation I once had with my wife's now deceased granddad, Joe. I had to verify this with my father-in-law as I was doubting I remembered it rightly. Joe was an NHS dental technician and once took and once took the time to hollow out a conker and fill it with some super hard dental stuff, enamel, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Probably a flagrant breach of the official conquer rules, but a strong effort nonetheless, and a great use of taxpayers' money. Not sure how it fared, but I'd like to think it's still going strong somewhere. Cheers from that, Tom. That is outrageous, but you've got to admire the lengths yeah. uh, that have gone to there. How do you like patch it back up, though, and cover mm. the conquer light up back? How do you Well, if you inject, you inject in through the hole, I maybe. I suppose, yeah, rather than... How do you hollow out a conquer, though, through a hot light? Yeah. Sure, you have to... Can you like melt it? <laughs> I don't know. You have Can no you idea. Melt? Can you melt a conquer? Well, maybe you this just is pat- the stuff we need. To <laughs> maybe he patched it back together again. But I like to think that after his first few rounds, the outer shell of the conquer shattered, and then you've just yeah. got this ball of like enam- enamel, or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it was. white stuff. And they're like, "What's going on here?" Then they get arrested. That's it. 
Uh, <laughs> that is a. I don't ever condone cheating, but I do condone ingenuity. So, do you remember uh, um, when you that. guys were talking about Conkers recently? It reminded me when I was a kid. When I, obviously it might surprise you to see know that I was big into my Conkers. Uh, my yep. dad was very much like take me out conquer picking sort of situation. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, but do you remember when you drill the hole for him? Did you guys have the drill with like, it was like a hand operated drill? I would like a crank, crank on, on the top. it. Yeah. I yeah. don't. I don't know if I ever did the drilling. I don't know if I was ever allowed oh, to do right. the drilling. I just. I. Th- I thought about them and I thought I haven't seen one of those hand operated drills in probably twenty years now mm-hmm. because of that it's like a yeah. relic of the past. I do remember them. Lovely mm. little. I'll be a little boss boss. Were you a conquer champion, Dale? Were no, you no, good no. at them? I, I, no. I remember being okay, but I don't remember competing in... <laughs> there wasn't a formal competition. <laughs> it was just more just no. have, a go, have a go with your mate. And that's about it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Did you do the vinegar technique there? I did. And I did the oven technique yeah. as well. There we go. <laughs> everyone knows. Everyone knows if you... Well, I think everyone in the UK knows. Maybe they don't. Yeah. Maybe everyone's confused as everyone else. Right. <laughs> I have a piece of feedback here from someone i'm sorry i forgot toby. to put the name on it toby summers there we go um says hi ign uk team long time listener first time writing in a lot of people seem to do that there we go where are the people that have not been listening for long but writing all the time that's what i <laughs> want to know um after listening to last week's podcast and hearing the piece of feedback about the game for an event that hasn't happened it immediately made me think of what has happened with the f1 game and the vietnam grand prix like most years, Codemasters release a new F1 game to reflect the current season of the Formula 1 calendar, but because of the pandemic, the real-life races were moved, postponed, and cancelled. But because the game was being developed before this happened, it has the season how it would have been without lockdown. This includes a new circuit for 2020, the Vietnam GP, which, has, which was one of the races which was cancelled. However... When the 2021 season was announced, there was a distinct lack of the newly built Hanoi Street Circuit. Well, it turns out the race will likely never happen due to the planner for the GP being heavily involved in corruption. (laughs) So the place you can see the F1 cars drive around this racetrack is in F1 2020 game. So not only is this a game for an event that hasn't happened, it is for an event that will likely never happen. (laughs) Kind regards, Toby from Portsmouth. And for God's sake, respect the sea. That is very interesting. So the only way you'll see F1 cars drive around the Hanoi circuit is in a game because it will likely not happen in real life. That's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you could say like, oh, there's loads of fictional races and games, but this one was fictional only like well, fictional it's, after the this, fact exactly this <laughs> race course exists in, in real life but won't be used <laughs> that's crazy don't do corruption kids it's not big and it's not clever okay that's the lesson we've learned from this i think and if you get away with it then it's pretty clever what have you been doing <laughs> <laughs> all right okay this email is from Selling sean enamel conkers to kids oh yeah <laughs> I've got some conquer techniques that I'm not declaring on the podcast, all right? I'm keeping them secret. <laughs> uh, this is from Sean Cottrell, and he says, Sup, fellas. First time, long time, and all that jazz. Love the podcast and keep, kept me sane during the night shift. I think Cardi and Matt have both mentioned about watching films when they're a kid probably, that they probably shouldn't have. I know when I was about nine or ten, I watched Event Horizon with my parents, and let me tell you, I shit myself. <laughs> my parents gave it the typical, it's not real, which was about as reassuring as a warm fart on the day after a night of drinking and curry. <laughs> Do you guys have any instances where you were watching a film TV show that you were too young to watch? Side note, that, that Mad Bastards Caligula <laughs> declared war on sea. Don't be like Caligula. Respect the sea. There we go. 
always never mm. be like Caligula. I don't know if I've societal. I don't I do remember a similar thing where I was nine or ten. Like basically it was one of those days where I really didn't want to go to school when I basically told my mom i'm not going to school i'm not doing it i I don't feel well and all that so i spent the whole of the morning watching gladiator when i was like (laughs) nine or ten which is quite a violent film Mm -hmm. um i was nine or ten but that got me up until like lunchtime school time and then my mum when it finished was like right you're going to school now and i went in for the afternoon (laughs) because my primary school was only like a 15 minute walk away so i could do that told everybody Um, about gladiator well and my my mum regularly brings this up whenever i put like gladiator on or something like she'll bring this up and i'll be i still say to her to this day i learned more from gladiator (laughs) than i did from that half day of school and i'm convinced about that i def i learned about the roman republic i learned about how to make a film I learned about, I don't know, uh, tigers. <laughs> I learned a lot. Um, my I, my younger years was like full of all these sort of films because um, before I was born, my dad had a, a video rental shop. that he used, It was like um, back in them days in the late 70s, early 80s. Some people would have, buy a load of videos and copy them all and then go around door to door like delivering them. That's what, that's, <laughs> he did that as a business for a while. But since then, the business, he'd stopped doing that. And he'd gone to work in a factory after that, but he still had all the videos left. So we had drawers full of all these films. And I would just, when I, like yourself, when I had days off school or whatever, I'd go through and just pick random films. This is how I watched uh, The Exorcist when I was about 12, I think. <laughs> um, I, so that one, the funny story about that one is I'd seen Poltergeist on TV late at night and I thought it was that and I wanted to watch that again. So I, I saw it and picked it up and put it at play. And then about halfway through, I realized this is not that. This is very something <laughs> very else. Um, but yeah, I I watched um, like, uh, Aliens is like one of my favorite films, and I watched that probably when I was about nine, or something like that. Mm-hmm. I probably shouldn't have seen it at that age, but it's kind of desensitized me a bit as an adult now. I think. Yeah, yeah my memory uh, is I don't know if I've said this one on the podcast before, but when I about nine or ten was when um, can you remember when Furbies were a big craze? <laughs> They're not that scary, um, mate. Do- yeah, but um, my dad was like, oh, Furbies are like gremlins. And I was like, I don't know what a gremlin oh, is. Like, I'll go and buy you gremlins. So he went down to the local blockbuster and like yeah. bought a copy of gremlins on VHS from them. And he gave me that. And obviously the start of it is very like a Furby. <laughs> and it was like, oh, this is quite yeah. a cute little Muppet thing. Yeah. Um, probably a bit too early in my life to see a gremlin like forced into a microwave and erupted like a volcano. It gets dark yeah. towards the end of the yeah. film. Like, there's, there's that gremlin that like scratches that woman's face and it's mm-hmm. really vicious. I remember that. Yeah. yeah, I saw it as a kid as well. Like, being quite I love gremlin. Like it is one of my favorite films. I think it's such a cool like idea and it's a very grim, dark fairy tale. But as a nine-year-old, when you don't kind of get what dark humor is, like yeah. all of the stuff with gremlins that whenever I used to turn the lights out, I just used to imagine like there's a scene where um, I think, it, you know, Stripe, the, like the, the mm. key sort of gremlin, yeah. he's hiding in the in the cupboard with the medical supplies in and Billy goes to open it and he sort of kicks the door open and slices him open. And that yeah. I remember being for like probably around sort of like 10 to 12 years old. Every cupboard I opened in the dark, I would assume there'd be a gremlin in it. They're still got that music in your head all the time. I think I can see see something in the drawer behind you there, Matt. So uh, just watch it. I'm I'm Uh, not looking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, there we go. That was a pleasure. Uh, I have had a lovely time. Mm -hmm. Uh, What what music should we have? Creep. the Snyder, I'm not. There are a Hallelujah. lot of. I refuse to play Hallelujah. At the end oh, of piss off! Yeah, can we play the proper version of Creep? Can we do that? 
yeah, let's just yeah. play Radiohead's Creep because that's a good song. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, and what a jolly way to see out the end of the podcast. Bye bye. Bye. See ya. So fucking special. I wish I was special.